Before we get started, I want to tell you about my friends over at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com. Tusk is a national network of the very best regional small parcel carriers. Again, they are national. They are an excellent alternative to UPS and FedEx who are going to raise their rates this year. Save 40% with Tusk Logistics. That's a real number. Save 40%. Check them out over at tusklogistics.com. Hit the Get Started button. I'll also put a link in the show notes. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is Freight Fest 2023 with my friend Ramel Watley. Ramel is the founder and host of the very popular podcast, Truck and Hustle. And it's so much more than just a podcast. It's a big community of transportation logistics people. Freight Fest 2023 is presented by Truck and Hustle. The conference takes place at the Hilton Americas Hotel in Houston, Texas from September 28th through October 1st, and I will see you there. Check out my conversation with Ramel to learn more about the conference. So how's it going, Ramel? How are you, Joe? It's always good to see you, sir. How's it going? Doing great, doing great. I'm excited to talk to you. We've been we've been having scheduling problems, so finally I'm getting to interview you. You're a busy man. For sure. The last time we saw each other, Joe, we were at, what was it, Manifest? We were at Manifest. I met you, and I think I met your wife, too. My wife was there with me. Yep. We were, you know, making our rounds, shaking hands, kissing babies. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was talking to Courtney over at Manifest and she said, by the way, I did not see her while we were there. And she said she didn't see a lot of the people who were doing podcasts and the media people there. And she said, next year we're having a media breakfast or something. So all of us can get together. Because I saw some of the other podcasters. I saw Blythe. I saw Tim Dooner. I spent a lot of time with him saw you and your wife just for a, a few minutes. And right. it's funny, sometimes I feel like the only time you really see people is at conferences, which by the way, is why we're all going to get to Freight Fest 2023. But anyway, yeah, that was the first uh, time I think, and last time I saw you, Manifest was great. Yeah, for, for sure. It was an amazing event. And you're right. I saw everybody in passing, but it was so difficult to like, because everybody was moving so fast. It was so much going on. It was hard to get somebody to stay still for a minute. But yeah, for sure. It's a funny thing, though, when people go, hey, how's it going? And you go, oh, yeah. Hey, hey, how you doing? And then they're walking away and you're like, I don't know. Do I interrupt their conversation? I don't know. <laughs> Never. Yeah, it, it, it can get a little weird sometimes. You got to figure out how to navigate those situations. And there's nothing worse than when you're at a conference and I'm talking to you, but you're looking over at my shoulder. Like, yeah, I, Joe, I got to stop talking to you and talk to that interesting person over there. <laughs> your, time, your time is up, Joe. Sorry. Yeah, 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 like a gong is going to go gong and then you go. Or, you know, when they have the awards, they have that, that the music starts like. <laughs> the violin starts playing it's like time to wrap it up time to go get out of here man (laughs) time to wrap it up for sure anyway Ramel, please introduce yourself and your company and tell us what freight fest 2023 is all about yeah man so my name is Ramel watley i am the founder and ceo of tnh media most of you may know it as truck and hustle podcast that's where we started but we've really grown into a true media company with a lot of different offerings 
including Freight Fest. Freight Fest is our conference. This is going to be our second year. We had our first one last year. It was November 4th through the 6th. It was an amazing event. We put it together in about three months, three months with bubblegum and duct tape, but it came out very amazing. We had about 750 attendees there, and we're looking to have over 1,000 attendees this year and just continue doing what we're doing, man, and just trying to give you some background on it. Well, Freight Fest is what I like to call like the Truck and Hustle podcast on steroids, right? We like to bring all the people who have contributed to the podcast, the thought leaders, the entrepreneurs, the business owners to one stage to talk about what they're doing. It's always rooted in education, helping people grow their businesses and talk about different niches in transportation and logistics and just helping each other grow, man. That's what the Truck and Hustle community is about. And that's what Freight Fest is about. It's just very rooted in just education and information and just connecting, networking, and so forth. That's what it's all about. Yep, yep. And so I know you're in New Jersey. That's where you live, right? But, uh, but your, yes, your conference, Free Fest, I think last year was in Houston, and this year's in Houston. Why Houston? It is, man. We've grown to love Houston. I like to say that's like my third home now, only because Atlanta is my second home. But we spent a lot of time in Houston. Several reasons why we chose Houston for Freight Fest, the inaugural event. One, it was during... COVID. COVID was a very real thing. It still is a real thing. But in that time when we started planning Freight Fest, we were still in the middle of COVID and we wanted to pick some place. We were just getting out the weeds. We didn't know exactly what would happen and what the turnout would be. So we wanted to pick some place that was like an outlaw state. (laughs) We knew that regardless what was going on in the world, that we'd still be able to hold our events. Texas was one of those places, right? It was also like Nevada, also like Florida. Some of these different states that they don't care what else is going on. They have their own rules there, right? So that was one of the reasons that made us decide on Houston. In addition to that, as as we've discussed, Joe, a lot of opportunities in transportation in Houston with the ports. I think Houston is the third largest port in the country, if I'm not mistaken, third or fourth. And just a lot of trucking, transportation, and logistics there, a lot of oil and gas. Everything's just bigger in Texas. So we wanted to just have a, a, a place that we can call our staple for the event that we knew we'd have like large attendance there. And also people would have no problem flying in to just experience the city for that, for the duration of that time. So we felt Houston was a great place. It was extremely successful last year. So we said, hey, we might as well just do it again this year. Why try to figure out the logistics of a whole new place over and over again? Because when you're throwing events, you have to figure a ton of stuff out. And that's just one thing we could check that box. We understand the location. We understand the city. We already know, so we'd have to go anywhere else and do it all over again. So that's why we chose to do it again this year. And we'll most likely continue to have Freight Fest there in Houston. That's our plan right now. Unless anything changes, it'll probably be home for Freight Fest. Yes. I've said this on my podcast a number of times is that I talk to people from three places, Georgia, Texas, and everywhere else. (laughs) I swear to God, it feels like the whole world has moved to one of those two places. And by the way, I just saw this for the first time. It said recently the Southeast, which I say is the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, probably missing something in there, is has more business, I think. Or maybe it was people. Okay. It, it's got to be business than the Northeast. And I was like, include which I would consider the Michigan part of the Northeast. And I was like, I, I just saw it. It just flashed on the news. And I was like, wait a sec. Does that even make sense? Florida's been booming. Georgia's been booming. The Carolinas. And I was thinking, yeah, this we've seen back in the day. It seemed if you were doing business, you're doing it in the Northeast 
maybe the Midwest or out West. And Texas was always there. But now all of a sudden, Georgia and Florida are places that are just rising up. Of course, Texas too. But anyway, so tell us a little bit about you, Ramel. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Freight Fest. Before you started Freight Fest and Truck and Hustle. This period, right? I was born in Brooklyn, New York. I moved to Central Jersey, a small place called Heights Sound, New Jersey, as a young kid. Went to Heights Sound High School there. After college, after high school, I went. I got directly into business. I actually got into some real estate. I actually became a realtor at the age of twenty. I really wanted to get to the money fast, Joe. I didn't want to waste any time. I didn't go to. I didn't go to college. I just was one of those guys that was very industrious, and I was like, I want to become an entrepreneur, and I want to figure things out on my own. So the first endeavor was really getting into real estate. I became a, a, a realtor and that was very challenging. As realtors, they don't get paid on commission. It's not what's what's marketed out there. You feel like you're going to get into this real estate career and make all this money, but it's, if you don't list or sell any houses, you're not making it a dime. You wake up unemployed every single day as a realtor. Every single day, right? And for me, I'm paint this picture. I'm 20 years old. I'm in the suburbs. I'm, I'm selling houses in a place called West Windsor which are like high value houses. They're like $500,000. Tony Soprano lives over there. No, with this is, so that's more so North Jersey where Soprano is at, right? But this is like South Jersey. Like I said, really high value houses. So imagine my 20 year old self, like trying to convince people with these half a million to a million dollar houses to entrust their, their largest asset to me. The, the guy who looks like their kid, like I just went to high school with their kids. <laughs> yes. So it was very, and plus I look young also. So it's you know, like, nah, I don't know about that. So it was very challenging real estate for me. Although I got a lot of appointments, I was able to get in a lot of houses and so forth in order to get opportunities. It was difficult closing. It wasn't working out. So I, like you said, you wake up unemployed. Literally, I was unemployed just trying to make commissions off of real estate. I started some other small like transportation businesses. I used to, I had a, a van business where I would take people from staffing agencies to work. I did that for a little while. I had a little van. I had a, a CDL with a passenger endorsement, right? So I would just, I was just trying to figure out how to make ends meet. And then I just thought about, hey, I need to get into the trucking industry because I saw this opportunity at this time. This is early 2000s. The papers are saying you can make 50 to $60,000 as a truck driver. I said, all right, why not? Got this class A, let's put it to work. But I quickly realized that driving a tractor trailer was not for me. So I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. And although I had the, the, the license, man, I'm not good driving a truck. I'm not mechanically inclined. I'm not really comfortable on the road behind the wheel. So it just wasn't a fit. But I was willing to do it because at the end of the day, I needed to make money. I was very blessed and fortunate to have an opportunity very early while getting into transportation to work with a small mom and pop company. So basically, I met this guy. He ran a company called Bond. He didn't run the company. He was the, the location manager for a small mom and pop company called Bond Transfer. They were a small mom and pop company based out of Baltimore, Maryland, but they were on location at a warehouse called Ball Plastics. And what Ball Plastics did was they created plastic bottles from resin. They would take the resin, they would go into this machine, go through this cycle, blow up into small plastic bottles, and we shipped those 22 pallets on trucks throughout the country, Cranston, Rhode Island, and different places, these Pepsi plants, right? So I got an opportunity to work as a dispatcher there. Entry level, I had no idea what a dispatcher was, no idea what a dispatcher did, but the guy told me, hey, basically, all you have to do is manage the guys. You seem very personable. You seem very likable. I think you'll learn this job quick. 
And I did. I got into that business. I got that opportunity. He was paying me, I think, forty or forty-five thousand dollars. Now, at that time in the early two thousand, having an entry-level position at forty, forty-five thousand dollars without a college degree was like unheard of. So I was like, I'm all in. This is crazy. Like I'm telling like my friends and my family, I'm like, wow, like I'm making like almost fifty k. I don't need to go to college. Salary, so I'm good. That was just a great opportunity for me, and I quickly learned about the business. I was like like an alien to a lot of my peers because there was nobody who really worked in trucking or really knew anything about the industry because I just stumbled upon this opportunity myself. But what ended up happening with that company is that gentleman ended up actually getting fired for doing some fraudulent activity <laughs> with the company, which happens a lot. There's always a lot of fraud in transportation, especially when you deal with some of these smaller mom and pop businesses. It's just so many transactions going on, right? Because of that, because we were such a small, a small staff there, it, the, the, the operation got deferred to me because I was the only one who knew it and understood it. So I ended up running that account. It was a multi-million dollar account. And because I knew the most, I was like the senior man with all the secrets. They said, hey, Ramel, we need you to run it while we kind of figure things out. And I did such a good job. They never end up bringing anybody else in. I just end up running nice. the account. So everything went well. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about running the trucking business, just the back end things that kind of go on. And then they end up going out of business. They were like a, a second or third generation business. And it was like the son. A lot of times, like the, the grandfather starts the business, they pass it on to the father and then the sons take it over, but they're not as interested in the business as the grandfather was. It's not their dream. And they were like going along with it because there was money. But when times got a little hard, it was like, ah, we don't know if we want to do this. And they just dissolved the business out of nowhere. And, it, and I was just left holding the bag like, all right, we're done. All right. I got to find some more opportunities. So I got an opportunity to work with Ryder Integrated Logistics and I work for them. So I work for their RIL division. I work for CVS, their local grocery accounts. Man, that was like a high pressure cooker situation, man. We probably ran about 60 to 80 different drivers, 24 hour operation delivering to CVS stores all throughout the region. And just when I, when, I, when you talk about just learning about transportation in totality, I learned a ton at Ryder. I learned about processes. I learned about systems. They also had the rental division there. So I was very close with them. We, I learned about just dealing with drivers and so forth. And I just really grew. They taught me a ton. After about six or seven years, I wanted to be, I, I, again, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was always my thing. And that was always the goal, right? From the beginning. So that was always in me. I had to get the bills paid. So I just, I was working and doing what I had to do. In 2015, I had the bright idea of starting my own company. So what, what happened was while I was working at Ryder, we would always use these temp agencies and or they call them leasing agencies for additional driver staff, right? Because we would have a set amount of drivers, but we don't want to always carry uh, the, the, a large amount of drivers because we didn't always need them because the, the volume fluctuated. So when we'd have seasonal spikes like Thanksgiving, Valentine's Day, Christmas, all these different times when we need a, like 20 or 30 more drivers, we would reach out to these leasing agencies and get drivers. And those drivers would actually work for those companies, but they would come and work for us during those time periods. Everything was through that company. They would facilitate the driver. They would send us a driver, but we would use them as our own drivers. Now, because I was a dispatcher, I got very familiar with these guys. They depended on me to give them work and keep them going. So I built a, a rapport with them. And in addition to that, I built rapport with the companies because I was working with them. I, I, I met a lot of the, the leadership and a lot of the owners. And one day I was like, man, this is a cool business. 
I, I can do this. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is easy because I'm also like every time they put an invoice in and they're billing us, I'm looking at what they're billing. I'm looking, I know what they pay the drivers. I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, they billed 30. They paid the driver 19. There's $11 in there somewhere that could be for me. So I just figured it out, put it together. And I actually started a business doing the exact same thing. When I left Ryder, I, I got into driver staffing, started my first company. Our first year, we were extremely successful in terms of gross revenue. We did about $1.2 million in revenue just on pure demand, right? We had a uh, really interesting contract with the post office. And we had a, we, a 75% of our work was coming from the post office. We had guys just like running postal freight. And then oddly enough, I actually had contracts with Ryder, with the Penske's, with these other local accounts as well. That just, we just grew really fast. But on the flip side of that, not really understanding business and just getting into the operation without a lot of knowledge, we made a lot of mistakes. And I ended up owing about $250,000 of workers comp because I didn't understand that we had these guys that were contractors or that we perceived as contractors that were working for us, but workers comp received them as employees. So in Jersey, workers comp is about $18 for every hundred dollars worth of oh, payroll. Boy. <laughs> so for every hundred dollars we were paying these guys, we were supposed to be putting money away for workers comp that we weren't right. So we're just, we're spending money. We're living it up. We're making a bunch of money. We're feeling good. We're like, Oh man, we're killing it. And then we had this workers' comp audit at the end of the year. And they're like, all right, so everything was good. You guys did great. You guys killed it. So you guys owe $250,000. <laughs> I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering. So, by the way, my my dad was in that contract. We didn't call it in automotive. We would place people, contract, usually engineers, designers, draftsmen, and te technology people. And the staffing business, leasing whatever you want to call it, leasing, we call it contract over here in uh, Detroit. A lot of people are in it and it's, it can get, the margins can get real tight. It's not, and it's funny, you mentioned doing a million too, which is you go, yeah, there should be plenty of money dropping out the bottom for you. It's a hard business. You know what? I joke about it, but it's no joke. There is no easy business. <laughs> no, you, you're right. The margins are very tight. Of course, companies are always trying to save money, and there's always another company that are coming undercut for your price. So you and have and, to sell. And they that. could be going out of business too. That's the crazy thing about it. Exactly. Exactly. So it, it, it's a tough business, like you said. It, it, there's there now. When I got started, there was a demand. It was just a huge driver demand. So it was easy for us to get contracts because everyone was looking for drivers. But now. The business has changed tremendously because the demand isn't there anymore. People are very careful about the drivers they use. Just everything changed, right? Like you could just almost throw any driver at any company and they'll just take them, use them. And it just was what it was. Now everything has gotten a lot more strict with insurance issues, compliance, everything. So it was, it was difficult then, but it's even a lot more difficult now. But yeah, to your point, yeah, the actual margins, what you actually make, once you actually start taking insurance out of it, whatever it costs to run your business and all the costs, workers comp, you don't make a ton of money, right? At the bottom line. 
So if you don't understand that, which I didn't, you can very quickly end up in the red. Even though you make a ton of money, you you don't realize that you're in the red until you go through your line items and you go through your P&Ls and you're like, man, I made all this money, but I didn't make anything. So that's just business. And that was the catalyst for Chuck and Hustle. So in 2019, because I had those struggles and I ended up selling that first business, I was like, man, I want to start something where I could teach people about all the pitfalls of this industry, but not only the pitfalls, but also all the upside too, right? There's tons of opportunity. Take me, for example, I started a business without having to buy a truck, but I'm still in the trucking industry. So I didn't have to invest all that money on assets. I became a service provider. And there's tons of different businesses like that, whether you're asset-based, non-asset-based, different niches of transportation. And I wanted to explore those opportunities, just being an entrepreneur myself, wanting to learn about them, like just being interested in having those conversations, one. But then number two, being able to share that and then being able to share like best practices with people and show people like this is what you can do to and, and tell those origin stories of people just like me who came from similar backgrounds or different backgrounds, but tell their entrepreneurial story. And that's how Truck and Hustle got started. And when we started in 2019, I think the storytelling just really gained a lot of traction very fast because there was other media out there at the time, but they weren't focusing on the story. They were more so focusing on the data, the analytics, and things that are important to maybe some of the larger enterprise fleets, right? But they weren't focusing on the everyday fleet owner that what they're going through, what their pain points are. And that's what Truck and Hustle did. And that's what I think helped us grow so fast because there was a void in the marketplace for those kind of stories. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if I could add something to this, I saw that you see you start, you didn't go to college. So you said the hell with it. I want to be an entrepreneur. If you're going to be an entrepreneur, there's a good argument to be made. Then don't go to college, just get started. Now, if you needed specialized knowledge, there was no school you were going to go to that was going to teach you. Now, maybe you could take an accounting course, but you learned accounting the hard way. <laughs> but I guess I saw this not so long ago. It was, I think it was Forbes or Fortune or one of those. They were asking freshmen in college, what are you going to do when you get out of school? And they gave them some choices, work for someone else, be an entrepreneur. The majority were going to be entrepreneurs. Four years later, as they graduate, the minority is going to be entrepreneurs. Four years of college, even though they were getting smarter, they were also being indoctrinated into the business world where you get a cubicle. And by the way, I can say this. I got my degrees at night. So I was 19 years old. I worked for my dad's company. Yeah, it had some health issues. I ended up running his company. It was a little engineering business. And that's when my hair started going gray. And, and when my dad's business didn't take off, I ended up working for other people. But when my dad didn't have business, a lot of business going on, I would go work for other people. I think I had 30 jobs before I was 30, just contract engineering, drafting and design and CAD systems. And when you don't have a degree, you're a second class citizen in those big organizations. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you can do this, but not this. And then I got my degree at 30. And I swear that I remember I got promoted. I was design manager, the drafting manager. And I made great money. I became an engineer. And I remember it, I was happy that I got that promotion. It wasn't more money. I got paid real well in them as a, what I'll call tech. But what was interesting to me is now that I have a degree, somehow I got like magic dust sprinkled on me. Now I can do this job that before I couldn't. And it, and it felt, this is nonsense. And right. 
I think we've got to get college back to a certificate program, back to much more hands-on learning. And again, the lifeblood of our economy is people like you who are starting businesses. And I don't want, I know you've got some kids, you'll send them off to college, but ideally you're not sending them off to college to go do something that doesn't fulfill them. I think you'd probably say, I want, I want you kids to own your own business someday. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's a great take. So my feeling on college is this, like for, for me, if I can in hindsight, do it all over again, I probably would have went to college. I had opportunities to go to college. I had, I was accepted to multiple schools, but I was like one of those kids. I'm good. I don't need it. So what did mom and dad say about all this? They were not happy at all. They they weren't, but at the end of the day, it, it was just my decision and I was stubborn and I just decided to do what I wanted to do. But if I could do it again, I would a hundred percent have gone number one, because there's a lot of just foundational knowledge that you learn in college that you can apply if you're intentional about what you learn in school, right? If So if you already know you want to be an entrepreneur and you're intentional about that time that you spend in college, you can definitely apply everything that you're getting there into business. So I think what happens is a lot of kids aren't intentional. They're there for a good time. They're there to just be in college. And because they're not looking at, okay, I have to finish college at some time and get out of this extended high school and go into the workforce for real, they're not intentional. So I say that you definitely should go. You should be intentional about what you learn. But not only that, you should start growing your network. That's the one thing that I miss because going into the workforce and then trying being an entrepreneur, I had to build the network fresh. Whereas if I had other people who were doing cool things or who were creating starting businesses and I had a network I could always refer to and say, hey, we went to school together. Right. Or you always have that network to pull from, because as you learn in business, it's all about who and what connections you have. So I had to gain those connections from the business world, whereas I could have started that a little bit early if I had that college foundations. I 100 percent I'm all for college. For me, it's whatever floats your boat. Right. If if you don't want to go, I'm not going to try to convince you or steer you in any way. But if I had to recommend something, I would say, listen, by the time you graduate, you're going to be 20, 20, 20, 20, 21, 22 years old. You have your whole life still ahead of you. So there, there's nothing but good outside of you know, the only bad sides. You might have a whole bunch of college debt. Now, that's another story, right? But if you can figure out a way to minimize that, there's, it's all great. Everything that's going to come from that uh, experience is good. So I always recommend people go to school if you can, for sure. But, but that's a very interesting statistic that you said about people wanting to be entrepreneurs. And then by the time they go through that indoctrination of that four years, they come out and now that's not the case. That's why Truck and Hustle is so important because I, I've listened to your podcast. And by the way, guys, check out, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Definitely check out Truck and Hustle. And you mentioned network. No one in trucking has a bigger network than you do right now. And what's interesting though is you don't go to college. If you decide I'm going to buy some trucks that's, or maybe I'm joining my dad's business or my cousin's business, or me and my buddy are starting a business. There is no trucking school. Uh, there's, there is to learn to get to, to drive, but I think that's where truck and hustle comes in handy is you're talking to people who've had some great success. And it's not just, I, I watched, by the way, behind you, grab that YouTube thing. You got Ramel and truck and hustle have a tremendous YouTube channel. And I was, yeah. So it's at 100,000 subscribers. I know you have a lot more than that now, right? Yeah, we do. We're about 140 or 50 now, but yeah, like 100,000. This, this is our plaque for 100. We're, we're on our way to a million. 
<laughs> I watched uh, a video oh, probably a few months ago, and it was a guy, some guys who started, I think a tire, like a tire distribution center. And I was like, yeah, you, you go, how do they educate themselves? They didn't go to school for it. There's no, okay, I'm studying. Uh, I guess you could go to retail management, but that's where I think truck and hustle comes in handy. There is not an education for being that hustler. There isn't an education from turning from to hus from hustler to entrepreneur to businessman. And I think that's what you're, we're doing, not only with truck and hustle, but also with Freight Fest. So yes. let's talk. Let's switch gears. Talk a little bit about Freight Fest. You said you want this Freight Fest is really an extension of the tr truck and hustle is the podcast. It's now it's much more than a podcast. Now it's a media company, Truck and Hustle Media. Put a link in the show notes. We've got this huge following, and you said, let's get an opportunity to all get together and meet. And yep. this, I, I wrote this down September 28th through October 1st, but I think this is like a Thursday through a Saturday. Yes, sir. Yeah, so Thursday is the load in. The actual, so we'll have a networking event on Thursday night for everybody to get together. Then we'll have conference, bulk, zone in Friday, Saturday, and then the let out will be on Sunday. Yeah, so it's those four days, but the actual conference is Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, and then everybody can start heading home on Sunday. So are there speakers? How is this organized? Yeah, 100%. So there are speakers. So any everybody, I would just say go to FreakFest.com, www.FreakFest.com to just check out all the speakers. We're still announcing more. But yeah, so I'll just, just give you some background on how we got in, got to FreakFest, and then I'll talk about FreakFest. So as we started to go to grow the, the, the podcast, we wanted to start creating some different offerings for our community. We, we often engage with our community. We send out surveys and just ask people what they want from us. How can we better serve them? How can we be more, a more valuable platform for them? And one of the things that people would mention a lot was just networking events. Like, how can we get together in person, network? I want to meet some of these people who have been on the podcast. We want to connect with each other. How can you make that happen? So the first thing we did was we started doing networking events called the Reset, right? So our first Reset was in uh, June last, June of last year. We did in Atlanta. We planned for 80 people at a small venue, and there ended up being like 150 people there, yeah. right? It's the point to where the fire marshal was like, you can't let anybody else, and we had to turn people away at the door. So that was a light bulb moment for me. I'm like, oh, okay, people like these networking events. Two months later, we did an event in Houston, 450 people. So we're like, okay, people really like these networking events. So we started seeing the power in just creating an, an event where people got together. And what we do is we'll have a brunch, right? People will get some really, we'll have some really good food. We'll have a live podcast and panel, like some presentations. We'll play some like networking games where we like force people to interact with each I other. I like that. Everybody. Yeah. Now, these right, some people are introverts and they don't really know how to get out there and put themselves out there. So we do things to make people get together. And I'll, and I'll share some pictures with you from our last one. And then also we usually have some sort of like live performance or something just to make help people just have some fun. So it's just a really fun thing where you let your hair down. We call it the reset based off the trucking industry. You know, if you work 70 hours, you reset. Yes. Your yeah. <laughs> so that's like a spin off of that, like that 34 hour reset where you take your break. So that's what our networking events are. When we started to see the success of that, we said, we want to have our own conference. We attend tons of conferences. As you see, we've connected at Manifest. We're, we're all over the place, but we wanted to have our own because we felt like 
We have a lot of speakers that we haven't seen speak before on some of these platforms. And also we wanted a place where all of our entire community can gather. And then we can invite, you know, others to, to this to stage, just create like this nice big event. So we, we thought about Freight Fest, right? Just the name in itself is just like all encompassing, like everything, just Freight Fest, just like a, a place where we could just have everybody come together under one roof and just have just a major event. Our first one was last year, November 4th through the 6th. We had about 750 attendees. We put together the event in about two to three months, literally like promoting it, which is like unheard of for conferences. Typically, like they're planning it like all yeah, year. You got but that huge just, following on Truck and Hustle is a good starting point. And Houston, and Houston's a great place to have it. It was. So we made some good decisions that kind of helped it become a successful event. But yeah, so to give you an idea what Freight Fest looks like is... We bring together all the thought leaders, all the business leaders from that, that are in our network. Like you said, we have a great network and outside of our network, people that you may have not seen on the show yet that are upcoming on the show that we want to have speak on our stage all together in one place. And we just talk about all different verticals of transportation and logistics, right? So it's very rooted in education um, and opportunities. And also, we always want to make sure we touch on all the foundational things that any business would need, whether you're in a trucking business or whatever business, you always need to talk about insurance. You need to have some sort of compliance, right? You need to understand funding, accounting, right? All these different things, how to get access to capital. These are the things that regardless what business you're in, you're going to need to have understanding of and you're going to need to have connections for as well. So we bring those things together on the stage, right? So we've, we'll have people like Ami Kassar from Multifunding. He's, a lar- he's the seventh largest funder in the country right? In terms of SBA, SBA loans. And then we'll have somebody like Raul Mendez from TCT Transportation out of San Antonio, Texas, who has the largest frac sand company doing frac sand oil and gas. So it's like bringing all these people together in one place to talk about their needs, talk about what they do, and also network with our attendees. So this year we wanted to, because of the state of the industry, we wanted to make sure that we brought tons of opportunities to the stage, right? Last year, we were very focused on just talking about different niches and different spaces and people were telling their stories and how they grew and how they run their business. But this year, we said the industry at, at large is just in, it's tumultuous right now. There's a lot going on. Everybody's looking for ways to stay in business, ways to survive this industry. So let's talk about ways they can pivot. Let's talk about some opportunities out there. So we got people like Greg Reed from USPS right? Who's going to talk about how you can get opportunities to work with the post office. People like Portia Jackson from uh, the Houston OBO, that's going to talk about how you get local opportunities with the government, right? Through through Houston, tons of contracts that's just sitting there for, for, for carriers that can be taken advantage of that people just don't know about. So we've just reached out to people within our network who can bring opportunities to people because our ultimate goal is we want you to leave feeling good, but we also want you to leave feeling like you could put some money in your pocket too, right? Because that's what you're investing in when you come to these conferences. You're investing in your network and you're investing in some sort of opportunity that you could take away and you could implement that into your business next day. So we're very bullish on just making sure that is what we provide and that's the value add that we give with Freight Fest this year. I love it. I love it. I have listened to your podcast before. And what's interesting is if I look right now at a number of podcasts, Let's just say I looked at what they're doing, Freight Waves, what Black Broom Leave, Trey Griggs. Oh, there's a whole bunch of people we all know. A lot of times I'll look and see the people we're all talking to. You go, oh, yeah, they t- I talked to him last month or I'm talking to him next month. 
I know you have those same kind of people, but what's interesting about your podcast to me and why it's been so successful, I think, is you also are talking to guys who are owner operators who say, yeah, I got I have five trucks or 10 trucks and I grew from, and by the way, I always say this is on my podcast, you're talking to people who, who are killing it, right? Who are saying, the guy's worth a hundred million dollars and everyone's, yeah, that's what I want. But if there's a guy down the street from you who's got a 10 million or a $5 million business, you're like, that dude is killing it. If that's your brother-in-law, <laughs> your uncle or something, he's killing it. And, right. and what I guess my point is, is um, this whole business is built on the back of, on the shoulders of drivers, port workers, warehouse workers. And I don't think most of them get a voice in the media, even with the podcast has grown. And I'm not saying I cherry pick. I, I talk to who I want to talk to, but I've probably talked to two or three drivers. I've done 400 podcasts. I've only talked to two or three drivers. And that's a problem because I can't tell you how to be successful as a driver. And I feel like I can talk knowledgeably about how people are successful in freight brokerage, how the tech companies. I'm not saying I could do it. I'm just saying I talk to enough people where I say, yeah, I understand that language. Yeah. Your organization not only talks to the guys at the very top, but you're also talking to guys who say, hey, I started off as a driver and now I got three trucks. Yeah. No, we want to give a voice. See, that's the problem, I think, that with this industry. We're so segmented and we the top doesn't talk to the bottom, quote unquote, like it's just a huge disparity. And that's the pro that's why we don't understand each other. And that's why there's always the bickering in between because we're never on the same page. We don't understand e each other's pain points and what we're going through. So there has to be a place where everybody can, what happens is with truck and hustle, now you have a commonality, right? So now you can have somebody who's a small carrier, right? Who has five, 10, 20 trucks, they can say, I was on the same podcast as Ben Gordon, yes, exactly. who's in merchant <laughs> acquisitions, right? And now that's a discussion that can be had because they shared a platform. So it opens a door, right? And, and that was the whole goal from the beginning. Now we're opening doors and we're bringing people together. So they share that commonality. And now we can, now there's a conversation that can be had. How can you add value to me? How can I add value to you? Or if you can't directly, how can you put me in position to with somebody else or put me in touch with someone else who can add value to me. And I think that's what was always missing in the still industry. is. And that's do better, do better. At. Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at green screens. That's greenscreens.ai. Green screens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell side market intelligence to help brokers and three PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using green screens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy-side and sell-side transactions. Pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out green screens in the show notes, greenscreens.ai. So getting back to it, when I was still running a little third-party logistics company, you end up talking, I, I, because I wanted to understand more about the business, every once in a while, I had that painful night where I said, I want all the after-hours phone calls to come to me. And you learn a lot. And one of the things you learn right away is the guys driving those trucks 
all night long <laughs> are a lot of times they're immigrants and a lot of times they're small business owners and they're trying to they're trying to make a way in this life and when we've trained a ton of drivers there's a ton of you're a trained driver right but you're not doing it anymore and so what we've done a really good job is train people to drive but we haven't done a good job of keeping people in the business and i think it's cuz we don't understand what they need i'm sure people listen to my podcast, some do, but I will say, generally speaking, we don't understand well enough how hard that life is and why we have that tremendous turnover in that space. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And those conversations have to be had. And we and the thing is, is, we can never solve the problem overnight, but we have to start somewhere, right? We have to, and, and, the, and the best way to start is by understanding somebody's story. In my opinion, if you understand where someone's coming from, you can quickly see how, what you have in common with them and you can quickly identify with the person and say, you know what, you're a lot more like me than I thought. And then that now we now we have a starting point and now we have a place to build from. And I think that's always been a problem. Yeah, and I think this is the neat. I think one thing that I like about podcasting is I like you mentioned a number of times telling helping people tell their story, getting their story out there. I've always said the average person never gets a chance to tell their story. The average business owner doesn't get a chance to tell his story. And I think it's a great way to connect. I know people get business this way. And I think it also, it's, you don't have to be a Fortune 500 CEO to be, to tell your story, be heard, and hopefully get some credibility and some favorable attention from it. So I love, I love what you're doing. And by the way, guys, you should check out Ramel's podcast, Truck and Hustle. I think he probably have the biggest YouTube channel among all people in the freight business. I don't know anybody who's got something bigger. I don't think there's anybody who has more podcast listeners in the logistics and transportation space. You're killing it. And thank you, man. And so you're on to something because there's a lot of podcasts start off and we've talked about this before hit record. It's not easy doing a podcast all the time and you do your podcasts live. So you get in the car or get on a plane and you fly somewhere and you bring your cameraman and you guys do a really good job on that production quality. So truck and hustle, it didn't grow by accident. You put a lot more effort in than the average, every average Joe. And again, it's worked. You also picked, you also picked something that was a little different. I don't think it's, I don't think there's anybody who competes directly with you. Yeah, it was very intentional because we just saw the opportunity and we saw it, it was honestly, it was just that immediate feedback when we started and we just saw the rush of people just really interested in these topics and these stories. And it was just like we had to keep on doubling down because we were getting the results and people wanted more. So if, if I would have been doing podcasts and have not gotten that response, I can't say 100 percent I'd be here right now. It was really the feedback. That's, oh, we have something here. We got to do more. And then like we do more and it's, people love that too. And it's like, all right, let's do an event. Okay, let's do a conference. So it's really the people that feed everything because if they don't want it, right. we're not, you know, we're not going to do and it. What's interesting is there's a million events for trucking. There's a million of them. But I think yours is, feels younger. It feels fresher. There's, and I'm not putting anybody's conference down, but I'll say the, the same conference you've had for the last 40 years, it, it feels very corporate and which is fine. It doesn't bother me, probably doesn't bother you, but I think there's some 
smaller trucking companies. I think there's some smaller carriers, some smaller brokers who go, God, I, I, I don't belong with them. I, I'm, and you mentioned your focus this year being opportunity. Now everybody wants opportunity, but the bigger guys are looking at opportunity different than the guys who say, I, I got 10 trucks or I'm a small broker. There's, and, and I think there's room for everybody, but I think this is, there's a reason truck and hustle has done well. And there's a reason you've tapped into something. That's the reason Freight Fest was so successful on short notice and why this one's going to be even more successful. And again, give us the dates for that. Yeah, September 28th through October 1st. Where's it at? What's It's in Houston, but what we're at in Houston. Hilton America's Hotel. Yep. So the conference is, and everybody stays at the Hilton too? Stay right at the Hilton, come down and then enjoy the conference. Go right back up to your room at the Hilton. Everything's right there. You don't have to go anywhere. I was just in Savannah for TMSA and that was at the Hyatt. And I really liked that situation where, and by the way, Manifest was the same way. I went to the state of Harris and not too far to walk to go over to Manifest and everybody seemed to stay in the same place. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier just to navigate when, and then the things like afterwards, it's like everybody has a room in the same place. Like you can connect and just forge these relationships after the conference and so forth. It's really cool doing it that way. I told you the other day that one of the things I love about Houston is it's direct for virtually everybody. There's no, I had to get a flight to here, then to there, because right now it is not easy to fly. But also what's cool is Texas is a big state and a lot of people can drive there. It is. I I tell people all the time, it's like, it takes an hour to get from Houston to Houston, man. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's so crazy driving around and it's a huge state. It's a huge state. Anyway, what we'll do is we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, put a link to your website for Freight Fest. I'll also put a link to Truck and Hustle and any other links you and your marketing team give me. And I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, Ramel. People are killing it in the space. Who else should I interview? That's a great question that I was not prepared for. Let me see. Who else should you interview? Let me see. That, that I, that, and I know you've interviewed tons of people as well. So I'm trying to think out the box here for you. You know what? If you want to have a great story of a trucking company, have you interviewed Jessica King from Palletized Trucking? No. Interviewed, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest you interview Jessica King from Palletized Trucking. She's very interesting because she is the granddaughter of, I believe his name is Rex King. Uh, forgive me if I'm getting his name wrong, but they're a third generation trucking company. They are the most diverse trucking companies in Texas. They do everything from hot shots to intermodal to flatbed. They do it all, right? And they have about really three to 400 pieces of equipment, and they've been around for 54 years. That is not easy in this business. <laughs> that is not easy, in this bu- and they're still thriving, right? So just hearing her story of, number one, beco- coming in into the business as a young woman out of college, and just being able to take that business to another level. Because we talked about earlier, right? Like the kids, a lot of times they don't have the that same their dreams. They come yeah. She is not that person. And she is, and she's also like a, a content creator. Like she likes to do things. So she's very interesting in terms of running the business. She's not your typical CFO. And she calls herself the CFO, but she's like the CFO, the CEO, <laughs> the owner, the president. She does it all. Well, so I, I, think I work for be- my old man. And I remember somebody would say, are you the vice president? I was like, Call me vice president if you want. I said, but I also, I'm also the janitor here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she, she, she would be amazing to interview. And I think another, another amazing person to interview would be um, 
Let me see. Uh, James Marcel. He's another interesting interview. He has a company called Darta Management, and they have a trailer company. They do about a thousand trailers that they lease and they also sell. And I think it's very interesting to hear his story about how he built his trailer rental and lease company and, 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 and sales company. I think those are two interesting stories, two different dynamics. So I gave you one on the as, the asset side and one who's like a service provider. Excellent. So I gave you a little Excellent. bit of best of both worlds. Well, hopefully you can make an introduction because those are hard names to find on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely do that. I can definitely do that. Yeah. Ramel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Again, I'll put a link to Freight Fest 2023. I will see you there. Um, I also put a, we'll put a link to Truck and Hustle Media and any other links you give me. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the event and congratulations on your success. Again, I know I talked to you about Freight Fest. That's how we met. Last year, yeah. And I remember yeah. somebody, uh, he, he, your PR company sent me a note saying, hey, would you like to interview this guy about his conference? And I was like, hmm. Sounds good to me. Yeah, no, that's 100% how we first met for sure. And also, I like to add, I'll, I'll have my team send you a link, but anybody who uses your link, Joe, I want to give them 15% off of Freight Fest. Right. Thank your community for just listening to, to our story. And we just appreciate it, man. We, we need all the support that we can get. We are a grassroots business. We don't have any VC capital or anything like that. Like Everything we do is out of our po- pocket pockets and the, our sponsors and the people who pour into us and what we're doing and believe in our vision. So I want to thank them for, for their help. But yeah, everything we do is grassroots, man. So we need all the support we, we could get. And we are very thankful for all the opportunities we have. Yeah, I, pre- I appreciate it. And it's funny you should mention that. The vast majority of businesses don't get VC money. And Nate Schutz, he did a podcast called Bo- something about bootstrapping. He was doing it at Freight Waves. I think he's doing it outside of Freight Waves now. But he's talking to the other owners, the guys who did not take VC money. And again, I think... Um, that gives us a sense sometimes of this world where everybody gets VC money and I've, all the solutions are tech solutions, but that isn't reality. That's reality for a small group of people. Yeah. And, and I also think what's, what happens when you start, when you get into that world, the narratives and everything start to change. It's once you have somebody kind of controlling your cap table, things that you don't have the same soul and the same spirit of what you were once trying to build. So I worked for a Silicon Valley company for not for very long, but when I joined, the week I joined, they go, yeah, founder just quit. I go, what? <laughs> like, say that again, they're like, founder just quit. I go, I, I, why? You go, eh, we got another round of funding to hire you guys. And I was like, yeah. And they go, he didn't have much equity. He had owned a very tiny little piece of this. And I was like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> like, and then I didn't know how that happened then. Now I do. Oh my God. It's a nasty game. It's a nasty game that we don't want to play. That's why we need support. So we continue to add the value that we can in the way we do. So we don't have to take out some money. We keep on building what we're building. I love it. I love it. Ramel, we'll see you September 28th, October 1st in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. Freight Fest, man. Go to FreightFest.com. Check us out. More speakers being announced soon. And thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate your platform and you keep on killing it as well, man. You're somebody I look to in this space for information and just you, you've you been leading the way. So thank you. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I know you're a busy man. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. 
You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.